0: You're welcome to DexLingo, a podcast telling the stories of creatives in the Ghanaian community. Each week, we explore conversations and journeys about those whose arts and creativity inspires their success. Let's get talking. Hello listeners, I am Daniel Lampavo and on this episode of Dexlingo, I'll be discussing Leading a Creative Team to Project Success with Benjamin Ninyan, the Creative Director at Publicis West Africa. I went
1: to a school called Atomic Hills Estate Demonstration School. Hey,
0: well... <laughs> 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 so we called it aheads for short. Aheads,
1: exactly. This is interesting. Where, where It's at? in Asherman Estate. Okay. I had recently moved there. Oh, okay. And it was the community school that was there. So all those of us, it was a relatively new settlement. Oh, okay. So parents preferred to send their children to that school and go all the way to town. Mm. So I, I was there from class four to, to, to GHS three. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. And and you went on ahead to pursue.
1: Yes, I yeah. did go to Presec and I read business in
0: Presec mm-hmm. um, and then off to Lagos, and, and then in Lagos, I think from what I saw, you read economics in Lagos. I majored in economics. Majority. So I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find out how you, you came navigated. into this year, you navigated into this space. Um, when I was
1: in Presec as well, I was on the editorial board. Okay. So maybe writing has been a part of the journey from the beginning um i think back then i don't remember vividly being captivated by advertising honestly okay except that i was captivated by words and influencing people's behavior Mm.
0: so when when did you start developing an interest in advertising um
1: in the final year in university I met somebody, Ken, um, and he was working at Originate. Okay. And he was familiar with my writing because it was on my. He he knew me to some extent, and he thought I could. He thought I could um, come to Originate and have a chat
0: mm-hmm.
1: and see how. Things would go, and so that was my first sort of uh, exploration okay. where advertising is concerned. And but then it didn't stick because after school I went to work with um, a real estate firm, and then Ken was still at the uh, advertising agency. So what did you do at the real estate firm? The real estate firm was actually one of three sister companies of. Of one company. Okay. There was a real estate firm, there was a health insurance firm, and then there was a customer care firm, all belonging to the same owner. Okay. So I did something in each of them. So, for the real estate, for example, we're cold calling Ghanaians in the States to see who'd be interested in buying a home. Okay. For the health insurance firm, we're going to companies around in Accra. To, to find out which of them will be interested in registering for their mm-hmm. uh,
0: employees. Okay. Yeah, so okay. those were all okay. different. So so at what point, because I know you joined Innova as a copywriter. Yes. Yeah, at what point, at what time frame did you join Innova? In 2012. 2012. 2012, you were out of school? It was actually not
1: even Innova, it was Results, then Innova okay. was informed. Okay. Innova and Results belong to the same person. yeah. So Results involved no it didn't involved innova was established um a year later in 2013 or so oh, okay. Okay. so i worked for results and then innova
0: oh, okay okay so you did copywriting at innova yes and what were some of the projects if you can remember <laughs> that's all the exciting it was projects. a very lean team mm. and the creative
1: director was a brilliant writer situation and she was the only writer too oh,
0: okay
1: i think at the time i joined there was a pitch for within that we didn't win (laughs) but that was a baptism of fire but then there was one for coke that we won which was really cool yeah it was a campaign that we were running for the different shapes of the different bottles Mm.
0: and what was your part in that campaign what part did you
1: play Mm. in that campaign i was working with a team of people who were much Better and much versed in advertising than I was at the time, yeah. so they did not cut me the slack of "Oh, this is a newcomer." <laughs> Frank was even there. Yeah, um, I had to do what any copywriter who had been working for long would do, which is take the idea, turn it into compelling radio scripts or TV scripts mm.
0: or captions that will be used in print. Okay. That was basically okay. the brief. Basic okay, so um, from Innova, where did you go next from Innova? I moved
1: from Innova to now available Africa. Okay. After three or four years.
0: Okay, so you were a copywriter for the entire time you were at Innova? Um, the Innova ambience at the time
1: allowed you to be much more. Okay. I don't know if I've written it out there already, but so I was on a team with people like Frank and a lady called Yvonne. Mm-hmm. And besides being good designers, they are good copywriters too. <laughs> so you work with a designer on a project and his copy is better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think, can't just, this can't be the only thing I can do. Yeah. Because if I can't design and someone who can design can also come up with a headline, then I'm, I'm sure changing myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to be deliberate about cultivating a design thinking mentality where I
0: could make suggestions that a designer will find interesting and implement. Okay, so you yourself, you never touched the PC to design no. at any point in time. Okay, so it was. Also- right now, that is Canva. I do, <laughs> do I do do that. <laughs> okay, but it's
1: nothing compared to what you do if you sit behind Photoshop or mm. or anything of the sort. Oh, okay. So I had to put on the hat of design thinking, and I was fascinated by strategy as far back as then. So I had to. deliberate about developing that ability as well there's lots of opportunity to practice okay okay
0: so from then you moved on to now available um i'll ask so why did you move and what did you do at now available i moved because i had an offer to be
1: creative director
0: oh okay
1: um and i also moved because i wanted to have a taste of a different Portfolio of clients mm. because in Innova, my biggest client was MTN
0: and yeah. I'd worked on the brand for a while, and so I wanted something. What do you think uh, now available? So that they decided to okay, have you on their team at <laughs> Innova. I'm thinking back to the interview mm-hmm. um,
1: because to some extent it was a gamble while I was relatively young, okay. And I still am younger I like to think. <laughs> so it was a gamble to some extent, but the team I worked with is in at mm. was the perfect team to allow for quick creative maturity. Okay. Okay. So the ability to know how to transform a brief into an idea mm. and to and to set a creative tone for things to be done.
0: Okay.
1: And and another reason why it was a little bit of a gamble was because now available is a predominantly digital agency. Mm. At the time, they had more revenue coming from digital clients. And I was coming from a traditional agency. Just, yeah. mm-hmm. But because of my blog, I was a little bit, um, I was conversant with social media and applying it in a marketing sense okay. so it, it it helped the situation
0: okay so talking about your blog at that time what blog were you writing because i know i have seen adventures and i have seen um golden words yeah Coding yes. words ago. has been
1: the longest one since 2010 okay adventures was for about a year
0: mm. and then i know you moved on to your own website so which blog were you running when you were at innova
1: i think it was both adventures and uh, golden words Okay. So, another available had approached me because the creative director there found me on LinkedIn the oh, previous yes. year. Okay.
0: okay.
1: And we had some meetings, and then she had a good impression of me. Mm-hmm. I didn't accept the offer. Okay.
0: okay.
1: But we had a relationship already. Ah, nurturing relationship. <laughs> we had a relationship already. So, even though I didn't take the offer, we met every once in a while to talk. Oh, okay. And then a year later, she was moving to publicist, which is funny. <laughs> so she asked if i would be interested in the role okay. and, and, and recommended me. So it was more, and I think in the conversations, she did find out about adventures, but it was a LinkedIn okay. contact that turned into
0: a conversation okay. that turned into a recommendation. Oh, okay. okay. How, did, how did you find it? I mean, being a creative director... Uh, that's now available for the first time. Because you have you hadn't done
1: creative direction before. It's a very interesting topic. My creative director at Nova was called Sichu. Mm-hmm. And she was the final saying thing things. So I remember my first week someone asked me permission to be late and I said ask Sitro and I realized <laughs>
0: Yeah, the one in charge.
1: I'm the Situ here. <laughs> but it was not easy at all because when you're a young creative it's okay to be competitive mm-hmm. and to shine amongst your equals. When you're a creative director, everyone has to shine. Mm-hmm. Facilitated by you. Yeah. So it was a hard transition from my nature of being very competitive to a nature of being very collaborative in an inspiring way. Okay. That was a big challenge.
0: Okay, so what, what were some of the exciting parts of your, your journey at um, now available. What, were, what were some of the projects that you worked on that you really enjoyed?
1: Um, I went into a pitch against Innova, which is a bigger agency than now available, yeah. where I'd come from. And it was a huge account and I won. Oh, wow. And then I went into a pitch against Publicis for a Nestle account, which was a big deal and I yeah. won. Wow. So, yeah. They were not just wins because they brought more revenue to the agency. They were wins because it was a David and Goliath sort of a ah, scenario.
0: scenario. Okay, Okay. and so what, are, what have been some of your achievements? I mean, between now, Available, and now, what are some of the things that you have achieved that you are very proud of? It's funny, my biggest achievements are the people I've
1: worked with. Because okay. I think as a creative director, it's great to have awards and all that, but mm-hmm. The story I boast most about is the story of people who were performing better mm-hmm. by the time I was leaving, compared to when I got there.
0: Okay, It's my proudest. Okay. I think this will just usher us into the main topic, I mean, talking about leading the creative team to project success, you talked about um, leading your team to win a pitch against Innova and one against Publicists. What do you think went into the kind of team that you had? I mean, what, did, what was the makeup of the team that helped in succeeding?
1: There was a different blend of things, but I think you need to have the person who is leading a pitch or the person who's leading a brainstorm needs to set the tone in a way that makes it irresistible for everyone. Okay. If you have a boring brainstorm leader, everybody will doze off. But if it's someone who's able to provoke good ideas, it will bring out the best in everybody.
0: Okay.
1: So I think a team is a reflection of the person leading them, honestly. Okay. okay. So if you set the right agenda, it is good in them, it will come out.
0: So what were some of the challenges, the major challenges you had with your team? What are some of the major challenges you think you faced and how did you go about
1: them? My leadership style. My leadership style is very collaborative and mm-hmm. I like to delegate as well. And you may think it could easily come off as he doesn't know what he's doing so he wants other people to do <coughs> the work. That's one. And two, there were people in my team who were older than me and you have a Ghanaian mentality that, why is this young boy coming to tell me yeah. what to do? But the thing with the creative team is no matter how old the people are, when you demonstrate that you can add value to their lives and to what they know, that recognition and admission is greater than any apprehension about age.
0: But was, there any, was there any way you were dealing with an issue like that? As in, how did you deal with it? For instance, you have a team, you are, you are a creative director, you have someone on your team who is older than you. How did you deal with it? Because like I are saying here, it's a typical issue in Ghana where people who are older seem to think that they uh, they know everything or they are better. Or sometimes you need to give them a certain level of um, respect and recognition. How were you able to um, get them to uh, work on the project or be a part of the project that you are working on and to give their best by letting them
1: see the opportunity that the collaboration will give to them. Everybody's selfish.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So if in a brainstorm you recognize that the inputs are making and ideas I'm suggesting are way better than anything in your head, you will gradually ease up on the age thing. I don't believe in using rank and title to Mm -hmm. To command respect. Where I sit in the office is a very not special position. It's all about changing people's attitude on the basis of the fact that they can tell that this person can help me be a better creative and therefore more successful at my job.
0: Okay, Okay. so you moved to publicist this year. Yes. Yeah, in, in January. Okay, so why did you leave it? Then again, why did you leave uh, now available to publicists? I'd been uh, now available for three years.
1: Yeah. And it had been a very significant journey. Okay. And we had choked many successes. Mm-hmm. For example, now available had been one Platinum the platinum Gong before I joined, yeah. and they went to my tenure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we had. A much better reputation in the industry, yeah. and 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 we had the culture and the dynamics in the agency had come a lot better mm. and much stronger. So I felt also when publicists came around, um, it seemed like an opportunity to
0: replicate. Okay. Okay, so so you felt you could you could come and create whatever culture you had created in um, Now Available here at Fabulousness. Okay, so um, can you just mention maybe two or three things you think that you were able to leave at Now Available that you'll be remembered for that you are going to replicate here? Any two or three things?
1: The fact that you don't need permission to share an idea.
0: Okay.
1: And you shouldn't be afraid to share an idea because it can be very intimidating if you're in a room with your CD or senior creatives. And many ideas die because people don't have the courage to share them. Okay. But creating a culture where it was, it's easier said than done. Yeah. But when you succeed in doing it and letting people feel comfortable critiquing you and sharing their ideas, it's
0: a big deal. Okay. As a creative director, I work with a lot of designers. And has there ever been a situation where you are working with a designer and he says that he he feels that because you are not a designer um, or you don't really have a design background to a certain extent, sometimes you are not you shouldn't be able to um, give them a design direction. In the way, have you ever been in a situation like that? If I'm in, it changes quickly because of where I started working from. Mm-hmm.
1: I was working with brilliant designers, okay. So. In being able to for me, it was an unofficial school, getting to the point where Franco Yvonne will say, Ah, that's actually a brilliant thing. And then doing it, yeah, means that anyone else I meet is child's play. (laughs) So one of the challenges I kept giving my team is, especially now available, is what will really make me happy is for you to come up with a design that is three times better than the suggestion I gave you. Okay. Because if I give a suggestion, and I'm very conceptual, I don't, I feel like a lot of designers in Ghana do shutterstock design. (laughs) It's pictures and And text. text. But the craft is so intricate and when concept is blended with it, it's really powerful. And there's a lot of weakness on that front. And to be conceptual, it's not just a hobby, it is a rigorous regimen where you have a list of questions you process and you answer mm-hmm. from when you get the brief before you even sit behind to ideate. Mm-hmm. And when you follow those things and you get to the idea level, you, you write rationales that are meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to do that means by the time I'm giving you an idea for a print, it's good enough to start with. And, and that's what wins respect because if you sit behind the computer and realize ah, none of the ideas I'm coming with is better than what Ben suggested
0: yeah.
1: and he's not even a designer <laughs> then it changes the dynamics Yeah,
0: so I have one very um, it's, it's along the lines of what you're talking about, it's a very important question because I know a lot of designers have ego, I mean I think I don't even suggest designers, I think most artists have, have a certain kind of ego where they feel that when you, to a certain extent, decide to, to touch their work or you decide to critical talk about their work, then they get a bit defensive. In your, in your line of work as a creative director throughout the years, um, how do you think that it's usually best for someone to deal with scenarios like that?
1: Actually, dealing with ego is incredibly easy. Okay. For me. If you can't back your ego up with rationale, it is a delusion. You deserve to have an ego if you have a rationale, a solid rationale. Being emotionally attached to your work without a rationale is one of the clearest signs of creative immaturity. maturity.
0: Okay. So you think it should be more of how the designer is working rather than um, no, how, the, how the designer feels about it? Look, feelings are <laughs> inconsequential. Nobody pays you
1: to feel. Yeah. You are paid to deliver compelling results. Mm-hmm. And that's why it starts. Some people get frustrated with their clients and say, "The client doesn't understand." Uh, yeah. <laughs> because the language the client understands is an explanation that ties into his objective, okay. not an explanation that ties into your track record or your reputation yes. or your feeling. Okay. Nobody cares how you feel.
0: <laughs> Personally, what do you think really drives the success of a project? The number one thing is strategic soundness.
1: Okay. We play strategies down so much in Ghana. Okay. But when you have your strategy figured out, it's 70% of the way done. Okay. Rather than just jumping to behind your computer to do something, number two is the desire to do something really fresh and different.
0: So you were at Cannes. Uh, can you just tell us two lessons you learned from, from the Cannes Festival? You were there, you saw, amazing projects and everything that the, the the world is doing what are some what are two things that you took away from cats for Ghanaian designers yeah let me narrow it down to Ghanaian designers or creatives yeah thinking is your most valuable asset honestly it's more important
1: than photoshop yeah. illustrator all those things combined yeah because There are so many people who can execute and very few people who can think. And most of the winning works were hinged on beautiful thinking. Really beautiful thinking. And the second thing is, you see, we have a sense that because all the amazing work comes from outside, it's very easy to cultivate an inferiority complex. But then the honest fact is, anybody here is as good as anybody there. It's just a matter of how much you invest in your thinking and your confidence.
0: Okay. Before the interview, I just decided to ask a couple of designers if they were to meet one of the, um, how do I call it, greatest uh, creative directors <laughs> in Ghana. What oh, would be some of the questions they asked? And I, I got about three questions that I would want to ask and then um, move on to some other stuff. So here, here he was trying to talk about working remotely and then working in-house. How does that work for you as a creative director? How are you able to blend the two? Does it make sense that um, you have some of your, or the people in your creative team working from home and some working um, in-house, and how do you blend the the two? Hmm. It's only
1: possible if I trust that the person is creatively disciplined. Okay. And is also fully aligned because I prefer to work people with people in the same place. Okay. The people I work best with remotely are people who are very solid. So with a two-minute conversation, we can come back after two days and we will be very pleased with the outcome of what we've done. Okay. It's a risk if there's not that level of ability and then we work from different places
0: okay so the that's great so the second question here uh, said so what are some of the tools you use for uh, managing projects and how uh, do the teams adapt to their choice of uh, to the choice of tools i'm very reliant on the tool called the traffic manager it's okay. not a tool it's a person
1: <laughs> yeah because my experience in the creative director gets too neck deep into the nitty-gritties of who's doing what, how well are they, who's doing what, who's busy, who's not busy,
0: mm.
1: there's very little time to think of the big picture. So I'm very reliant on traffic to share feedback with me about people's working time and speed and efficiency. Okay. Where I come in is in interacting, get a sense of creative maturity mm. in how they're approaching projects and brainstorming getting a sense of that as well but there is no tool i use to manage people
0: in particular okay talking about uh, execution of projects you you were talking about a traffic manager so now i'm thinking more of timelines how do you deal with timelines because i know uh, for majority of the time well maybe from a few i have seen uh, most of the time the clients come when there's a lot of pressure And when they haven't brought the brief early and then there has to be a lot of pressure in-house to be able to come up with maybe a pitch or a strategy for whatever the client is looking for a solution to. So how do you manage that kind of pressure? I believe in a work-life balance. So
1: I'm not the kind of person to keep people overnight unless it's critical. Mm -hmm. I'm also not the kind of person to come to work on weekends unless it's critical. Um, I think if a person is good at what they do, They are able to speed up. Speed without compromising quality is a sign of creative maturity. Okay. So it makes it easy for people to self-evaluate themselves because when I ask you how quickly you can turn on something without compromising on quality, just by answering that you know the stage
0: you are at. Okay. So 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 it's a quality you look out for in creatives. Yes. I say? Um, can you give us, to wrap it up, can you give us about three questions you would ask if we were in an interview when you are a creative director and I, I was, I was applying as a designer? What are some of the questions you would ask me? Um, I'll ask you how passionate
1: you are about this. Okay. And to tell me, back it up with rationale, why are you passionate about this? Some people are only doing design because they didn't get good grades to do business. <laughs> okay. Some people feel constrained to do design, yeah. but some people are doing it out of passion. So that's one of the very important questions for me. Okay. I'd like to judge the level of organic or authentic passion you feel about what you do. That's one.
0: Okay.
1: The second question yeah. I would ask you is I like to hear people evaluate themselves on a scale of one to ten on how good they are. Mm-hmm. What tends to happen is people always overgrade themselves. Okay. And then when you go into that conversation to say, oh, so it means you can't do A, B, C, D, they realize, no, I can't, then I wonder. So if you were to grade yourself again, what would you give yourself? Okay. There's a strong link between the two because if you are very passionate and you are not even as good as you can, it's good. You can learn. Yeah. Um, and the level of passion and drive makes
0: all the difference. Okay, okay. So um, what, what, what piece of advice would you give to, let me use the word, upcoming creative directors? I'll ask them to be sure
1: they are creative directors. <laughs> Because that title is <laughs> pulled around very loosely these days. Yeah. Because Ghanaians yeah. will like that director thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even if a cleaner had a cleaning director, he'd be very happy. Yes. So people are so fascinated with the title. They should, be more, they should be more fascinated with the role. You should have the kind of depth that will make you useful to other people. Not depth that you can't validate, not depth that is based on ego, but depth will mean that if I work with you, I could add value to your knowledge base, and you would be appreciative of that. Yeah. So rather than getting you know enamored by the title, that should be enamored by the role and the function and the responsibility it places on you, and 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 your knowledge base, because to be a creative director in this modern day and age. The variables you need to consider to make any recommendation are numerous. Mm. You need to permutate so many things to be able to make those contributions. It's not just because you're creative. That's just one slice of the sandwich.
0: What one book or resource, it could be a website or a podcast or a book or anything, has really influenced you as a creative director that we can go out there and find and read. Well, apart from your blog, which I'm sure I'm going to put it out there so that we, we, we all frequent it here. But what other resource? Um, quite several. Okay, like so I sure, said, to be a
1: creative director, your perspective needs to be informed by many things. So um, you need to sign up to as many advertising um, newsletters or resources. Yeah, as I think it a couple
0: of them. You there's Ad
1: Week, there's Ad Age, there's Marketing Week. Um, sites like those. Okay. Okay. Then there are specific books, you see. So for example, there's The King of Madison Avenue that I'm yeah. reading right now about David Ogilvy. Okay. Then there's also The Psychology of Persuasion. So you need to combine books about advertising with books about people
0: okay.
1: and understanding okay. people yeah. and what makes them tick and trigger okay. as well. So the psychology of persuasion is also really, really incredible.
0: Okay, mm. so um, we've been doing all the serious stuff um, and we just have a few fun facts questions that we would uh, like to ask and the first thing is what's your favorite word um maybe it's a phrase bad idea bad idea yes. <laughs> okay what do you do when you're not working i like
1: fifa a lot okay console yes
0: mm, interesting <laughs> and what profession other than your own would you attempt what profession, other than being a creative director would you attempt Maybe a military strategist. Wow! <laughs> can, you, can you go into that just a little? Why why a military strategist? The thinking has real-time implication. Okay, okay. <laughs> I understand that. Um, and what are you not very good at? Patience. Ooh. I thought patience was a virtue. <laughs> not given to all. Okay. All right. So thank you very much, uh, Benjamin, for this time. Yeah, it has been an interesting session. I, we even sweep a lot from most of the questions that <laughs> we we wanted to ask, but it has been very insightful, and we are very grateful for the opportunity. Um, any word of advice for us, um, for this podcast, and for what we are doing as a, as a text community? I'm very impressed. I
1: think you're on something that's solid. Okay. I think... I believe in knowledge sharing a lot. I think the ultimate fulfillment is in being able to share what you know to the betterment of others. So it's a great initiative and I feel it's never too early to share. So that's why it's great. What I would advise you to do is most creatives live in silos. And in the spirit of being competitive, withhold, information from others. But then when you are collaborative, you learn more. There's no way you can give without getting. So to encourage people to not be silos, to be open to learn more and open to give more as well, you need to be willing to do that and to always challenge yourselves. I believe very strongly that this is one of the industries that regardless of what happens to the economy, um, will prevail yeah. because the skill set you need to make it, the skill set you need to make it in this is a skill set that will make you successful on client side as well. Sure. Because you are a problem solver at, at art. Yeah. And when you finesse that craft problem solving from a design perspective or a creative perspective you can be an incredible resource for any of your clients whether yeah. it's a bank or it's a government institution or whatever
0: okay yeah. okay thank you very much for this and um, um, we'll be looking forward to more conversations with you in upcoming episodes and other events that will be organizing us next thank you super <laughs>